Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with Him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and Tell. Today, we come to Galatians chapter four, and we're in the first half of Galatians four. And as we do, there's a portion of this I want us to read aloud together. So if you stand with me, let's read aloud that which we have for today. Galatians 4, four, this then is the text for today. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. So I I don't know if this is an appropriate question for here and now or not, but do you have your will ready? I'm told that once you have children, it's time to get your will done. And I'm sure there are lawyers in the room who would be ready to assist you if your will has not been prepared. But I think there's a good place for us to start this morning. Are we ready to face death, both spiritually and physically? And in one of the ways that we prepare for death is the writing of our wills. So is yours prepared? Has it been done? Because, because I will say this, recent days, I have had many funerals. It feels like for a while now, I've been averaging about two funerals a week. I'll tell you, this, this gets heavy. You know, work, working with families as they mourn, and, and then you, you work hard to honor the person well. And one of the difficulties that we have to deal with in and around funerals is the inheritance. Because there come times when families gather for a funeral, and the funeral turns into a fight. I see it more often than I would like to admit how often the funeral turns into something ugly. In the death of a loved one, as family members pit themselves against one another, always fighting about who's getting how much money this time around. 
You see, there's, there's one family member or friend or, or someone that is close who thinks they deserve some amount of money from the deceased person. And if it's not clearly spelled out, it turns into something ugly because they're worried they're not gonna get it. And you know, it's a shame when such a significant moment of life you become worried about money rather than remembering your loved one well. And so let me offer a, a bit of a temporal PSA before we really get into the sermon here. That one of the best blessings you can leave for your family is a clearly written will. And, and a clearly written will that isn't a secret. And so I hope you, you've kind of made those provisions as you've thought about life and death. That's one of those things that can save your, your family much heartache in the end. Now, I don't just say this because there have been many funerals in recent days. I say this because this is where Galatians 4 takes us towards being an heir of the kingdom of God having a full inheritance that is beyond you and far more than you have ever deserved. You see, as Galatians 4 unfolds, the scripture here uses inheritance as an analogy to describe our relationship with the Lord. And as you work down through this, it's as there are two kinds of people those that are known and included in the will of God, and then there are those who are not. Or, or maybe more clearly, we, we say it this way, there are some who are children of God, full heirs of his kingdom, and then there are others who will never know the blessing of God's favor. Right, and this is another one of those questions that we have to deal with as we wrestle with end-of-life kinds of things. And so as we think through things like wills and inheritance, I, I hope it, it causes us to confront uh, our, our own frailty and ask the question, am I included in the kingdom of God. When at death, a judgment is made, inheritance is dispersed, will I receive or will I be left with nothing? You see, as we, we come to Galatians 4, I want us to first look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. He's talking about Jesus here, so that he or Jesus might redeem those who are under the law that we might receive adoption, that we would be sons of God, heirs of his, full inheritance of his kingdom. What does that look like? And to understand that what that looks like and how we get there, we have to first understand our position. Uh, People in general and, and people in the flesh outside of the Holy Spirit, we tend to consider ourselves capable. 
We, we tend to see progress when we strive. We're continually reminded by the world and by the people around us to, to work hard. And, and all of that is necessary as we grow. However, none of that works when it comes to salvation. None of that works when it comes to being right with God. And, and as you think through your relationship with God and what does it mean to be right in that relationship and, and what does it mean to have this full inheritance of the kingdom of God, to be called a child of God, it has nothing to do with your effort or your striving. When, when, when you think about our effort, it turns that relationship into something transactional. And God, God is not worried about a transactional uh, kind of relationship with us. He's seeking an intimacy with us that, that separates itself from the transaction. You see, when it comes to our relationship with God, one of the things, that, one of the, the realizations that we have to come to is that our effort is ineffectual. And our effort has always been ineffectual in, in claiming any sort of righteousness with God. You see, as this, this works, to be near to God, when, when we're, we're thinking in the transactional kind of way, the law side of things, the work side of things, scripture here calls it slavery because in that transactional side of things, your debt is too deep. You will never be able to pay that which you owe because a single sin separates you from God. A single sin will move you out of his presence. God is perfect in holiness. And when we are stained by sin, it separates us in a way that our effort can never recreate. Our effort will never be able to crawl back up to heaven on our own um, accomplishment, in our own effort. No one is good but God alone. And our failure amounts to treason in conflict with God's character. And in that way, we're chained by the law. And pre-Christ, and before we know Jesus, we are a slave to accomplishment and the striving of the self. And praise the Lord, Jesus sets us free. You see, those under the law so before Christ and before we, we know who he is, we get caught in this cycle of effort, accomplishment, and then utter failure. Because this is what we see when we seek this transactional relationship with God, we are always going to fail. We will never be able to, to get to the level that we need to be to come into the presence of God. We will never be able to work out our righteousness enough to be near to God himself. Now, now some people just keep fighting in that way and, they, and they, they, they just keep in this mindset that if they go down, they're gonna go down swinging. And, and that sounds noble, but it's never going to be enough Our effort is never going to get there. You see, if you believe that your effort is going to bring salvation or if your accomplishment is going to help you draw near to God, 
you're gonna be caught in that, that loop of failure that you're, you're not gonna be able to get out of on your own. The scripture likens this here to slavery under the law and that you're, you're a slave to that accomplishment and that effort. And that's what the law, the transactional relationship found there produces. But there is sonship found in Jesus Christ. You see, when verse five says that Jesus redeems us out of that, biblically, that means that as a slave, we owed that which we cannot pay. It was a price that was too much for us based on our own ineffectual nature, based on our own failures. There was a price to be paid for our soul and our body and our life that we could not pay that we could not set ourselves free and that Jesus came and paid that price to pull us out of slavery and to set us free again. We then are adopted, children of God, heirs with Jesus Christ. It's hard for us though because sometimes even in this, we picture conditional clauses you know, and and because we want our effort to mean something, and 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 we we want our salvation to be based on a series of accomplishments. We like to think our good deeds matter, but it doesn't for salvation. But but so what what we do is 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 we think this inheritance is based on conditional kinds of things. Look look down with me at verse seven. So Galatians four seven. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. And so we hear that. And, and when God says salvation is free to those who believe in the work and effort of Jesus Christ, we start to think it can't be that easy. So God says, your effort doesn't work, but the effort of Jesus Christ on the cross does. So that if you would stop trying to work your way to heaven and instead believe that the work that needed to happen happened on Golgotha, then you will be saved. And so if you would instead put your faith in Jesus's work rather than your own work, everything will be free. Life will be as it's intended to be, but as long as you keep trusting in your own effort, you are going to get caught in that failure, that loop of failure over and over again. This is about the work of Jesus. And so we hear that and we think it can't be that easy. And, and we think that this inheritance that God has promised us in the kingdom of God must come with conditions. And what we picture in our minds is something like what you would see on a, a, a made-for-TV movie about someone passing away where, where someone says in, in their will that if, if you, you will receive all this money if you become a butler to my dog, right? Or you, you will receive all of this money if you can clean my house every day for 10 years. We, we, we think of inheritance tied to these kinds of stipulations and that you'll only receive that which should be given if you complete a series of tasks or accomplishments. And, and we know when we hear these kinds of things, it's, it sounds ridiculous, 
And God says it sounds ridiculous, but this is the way we behave. God says, you are a child of God, have an inheritance of my kingdom. And we still think, well, where's the list of stipulations and accomplishments that must happen for me to know that reality? We act like our inheritance for God is dependent upon our effort when that's never been the case. We, we act like it's our good deeds that are gonna make us right with God. It's gonna, we act like my work and my mission and the work of my hands is what draws me in near to God when scripture says the exact opposite, that you keep getting in the way and all of your efforts are hindering the coming of the kingdom of God in your life. And if you would stop trusting in your own effort and start trusting in the effort of Jesus Christ at the cross, the kingdom will come in ways you don't yet imagine. And that's one of the ways that we're selling ourselves short. When we, when we think about this, we picture effort and we picture things that we might be able to accomplish. And God says, that's just child's play. I've got things in store for you that you would never be able to accomplish in a million years. But by the spirit of God, you will see miracles. If you would stop trusting in your own effort and start trusting in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, then you will be saved. You see, this salvation means we receive adoption as children. And, and our heavenly father, who, who's good and perfect, as, as he includes us in this inheritance of the kingdom, there aren't wild made-for-TV movie conditional clauses included it is, it's not about a transaction, right? That, that makes it transactional. You have to do something to get it. God says the opposite. You don't, you don't have to do anything to get it. This is of the inheritance of the kingdom of God and you don't deserve it. But here is my kingdom. You know, a lot of times we feel more like Solomon in Ecclesiastes than God in the New Testament. Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he's working through the wealthiest man in the world, and he, as he is nearing death, he's starting to lament. I have amassed this great wealth, and I have worked hard to amass this great wealth. I'm going to die soon, and I have to leave it to somebody who has no idea what it took to amass it. I'm about to have to leave all of this wealth to, to people who don't care and don't know and are probably going to squander it. See, Solomon knew those people that were going to inherit that kingdom from him and he lamented. That's not the way God works. That's not the mindset of our heavenly father. It's just the opposite. God sees you and says, share in the inheritance of the kingdom of God because you have been adopted a full heir, just as Jesus Christ himself. Another verse here, look, look down with me, Galatians 4, 9. But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to those weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? So in nine, we're talking about being known by God. It's not just a knowing, like it's not just a, a mental ascent, but it's intimacy. 
It's this intimate relationship that you have with God. It's, it's not about transactions, about what you do, but it's about a heavenly father loving his child. And, and what, he, what he's saying here in verse nine is these churches of Galatia, they're, they're going backward. They, God says there, there are no conditions, there are no wild stipulations about my will and yet you're living like there are. In fact, you seem to just be making up your own because my will, my inheritance is in grace and freely given and, and you, you seem to have a problem with that and you say, God, you can't give so freely. Let us put some stipulations on it. And so here is as if the children of God are saying, no, that's too much. Let's, let's back up and put some stipulations so not just... All of these people get it. And so what they did, they put these conditions for salvation. And they said, God's, God's grace is mighty. But for you to receive it, you've got to do a couple of things. For you to get your full inheritance, here's two things that you must do. And really, we'll add a third. So first they said, the first thing that you have to do, all the males in the room have to go get circumcised. And, and if you don't, then you're not gonna get the inheritance. Then they kept going and they said, well, everybody in the room, when you go out for lunch after the service, you have to eat completely kosher foods. And you can't eat in places and with people that aren't eating with kosher foods and your kosher foods can't be prepared with foods that aren't kosher. And if you don't change your diet immediately, then you're not going to be included in this inheritance. And, and this, the, these were the children saying, God, your mercy is too free. Let us Let's put some stipulations on it so we can narrow it down for you. These sorts of things make God furious. The anger of God begins to fume in this as they start putting these stipulations on that. Then, and, and you see as, as Paul gets down into verse, um, see verse 10, I believe. Yeah, verse 10, you observe days and months and seasons and years. Where he's going at that, then there seem to be these additional clauses where you, you have to keep the festivals too. And if you don't keep the festivals, then you're not gonna get the full inheritance. What they were saying is, if you don't become fully Jewish before you become Christian, you're not gonna get the inheritance. They were coming in and false teachers were saying, we, we need to narrow this down and find the right stipulations so that we know that we know the inheritance is going to the right place. But as a child, it's not up to you where the inheritance goes, only the heavenly father. And so they were saying, you have to accomplish these things, these good and biblical things, if you wanna be saved, if you wanna have this inheritance of the kingdom. But that's not scriptural, that's ridiculous. That's not the way that God operates your salvation has nothing to do with your effort, only the effort of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is by his work that you become a full heir of the kingdom of God. Now, I will say this. There, there are a, a couple of responses on our end. And so as we work through this, there, there's a couple of responses that are important. So when, when we know this, your response is twofold. And it's not go accomplish something, it's this, that you believe in the work of Jesus, that Jesus' work is the work that mattered, so you believe in that, and the other side of that coin, you admit that your effort 
had been ineffectual and your effort will always be ineffectual, right? It's this sense of repenting and turning to Jesus' work out of myself that I know I am incapable but Jesus is capable. So it's this belief in his work and a turning from my own work, which is repentance. And so I have failed, and in every way I have failed, Jesus has succeeded. This is salvation. You know, but even with that, so, so many of us, we still want conditions, right? We, we still, we, we wanna work for our salvation. And so we get these things that, that come up in the church often, like these false teachers in, in Galatia. But your salvation has never been dependent on you completing good deeds or ministerial work. And, and I want you to recognize in Galatians, we'll get to Galatians 5 in the coming weeks. But, but even in Galatians where it talks about living out your salvation. You know, this is one of the things that, that we, we talk about is once I come to know Christ, my deeds do change. My work does change. But, but Galatians doesn't worry too much about it. It's interesting how Paul takes this because scripture goes in a different direction. It, it, it points to attitude rather than accomplishment. It says, if you, you wanna know if the spirit of God's really working in you and the spirit of God is beginning to change you, don't worry so much about what you're accomplishing and the things that you're, you're getting done, but look at your heart, look at your mind, look, look, look at your attitude. Because as we, as we come to Christ, things begin to change. And, and the thing that really changes is the intent of the heart and the attitude of the mind. That once you come to know Jesus, the, the Spirit of God comes in you such a way that you begin to trust the effort of the Spirit. And, and where you begin to tell the difference between the effort of your flesh and the effort of the Spirit of God, the, the way you begin to tell the difference is by the fruit of the Spirit, are the fruit of the Spirit there. We're gonna get there in Galatians 5. We're not there yet in the text, but, but where, where he's leading us is, is look into your heart are you now seeing the fruit of the Spirit in places and ways you didn't see it before? So as you go about the daily things of life, all of the things that all of us have to do that we have to go through, the ups and downs of life, God isn't too worried about the ups and downs. It's, it's, it's how the Spirit of God leads us through those ups and downs. And what you see then is as the Spirit of God is working on you, you start to see love and joy and peace, and patience, and kindness, and, and, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and goodness, and self-control, you, you start to see those things happening in you before anything external. You see, you'll still have the normal expectations of life, but even in all those normal expectations of life, you'll handle them with peace or in gentleness, where there, where there wasn't any peace or gentleness before. And when the Spirit of God comes on your life, he begins to affect this change in your heart over time. And there's this steady drip of, of new love. There, there is this, this constant holy patience that begins to take over your life. There's now this self-control that you've, you've never had before. That wouldn't have even been possible before. 
And even with these, right, even as you begin to see these in your heart and your life, these, these new attitudes aren't what save you, right? These new attitudes, this new heart, this new mind, they, they were a product of your salvation. It's a part of the inheritance of God is living life in this holy way led by the Spirit. In fact, what, what we... The way we talk about these, right, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, that these are the evidence that salvation has come. These are the evidence that the Spirit of God is at work in your heart and in your life. And so as you and as I approach death, and, and we think about inheritance. These are the three questions that we need to think about. And so as you come in near to meeting your maker, these are the three questions I want you to ask. Do you believe in Jesus' work more than your own work? Do you believe in the work of the cross far more than any good deed you've ever done. So that's one. Do you believe in Jesus' work more than your own? Two is, have you admitted that your effort is not enough? Sometimes this is hard for us in our pride to say, my effort is never gonna get there. Can you admit that you're not good enough? Because everybody who is a child in the kingdom of God has had to wrestle with this and has admitted to themselves and to God, I am not good enough. See, so often in our flesh, we think God wants us to say, I'm good. But actually, the spirit of God leads us in the opposite direction to fall before the throne of God and say, I'm not good enough. So that's question number two. Have you admitted that your effort is ineffectual? And then the the third question is this. Are you seeing those evidences? Are you seeing that evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Are you seeing more love today than you did five years ago? Is there more joy today than there was before? Is there more self-control now than than you've ever had in your life? Because what we see here is as a child of God who's knowing this kingdom, these are the sorts of things that are produced, right? It isn't about hammers and yo-yos. It's about this, this reproduction patience and gentleness and and kindness in you that you would have never been able to conjure up on your own. But now the Spirit of God has come. So may God's Spirit lead us to truth in each one of these questions. Let's pray together. Lord, give us grace. Help us to know the work of Jesus and admit that we aren't enough. 
And Lord, we pray that every one of us in here would know that truth this morning. That we cannot, but Jesus can. And so, Lord, we pray by the movement and work of your Holy Spirit, we would know that together today. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.